Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Predicted Apostasy or Not So Much Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. In our previous episode titled, Predicted Apostasy, or Not So Much, Part 1, we started our examination of Scripture in a document published by the Cultural Research Center at the Arizona Christian University. This research was conducted by Dr. George Barner, Director of Research, Cultural Research Center. The tagline gives us some understanding of what this research examination was about. The tagline reads, American Christians are redefining the faith, adherents creating new world views loosely tied to biblical teaching. The document of reference says, American Christianity is undergoing a post-Christian reformation with the nation's major Christian groups rapidly replacing traditional theological beliefs with the culture's secular values. I hope you heard that last part of that reference. For clarity, it said, The nation's major Christian groups rapidly replacing traditional theological beliefs with the culture's secular values. Even though I said it last week, it bears being said again. The question we must ask is, whether this observation is only in America or around the world. If it is just found in America, it is not the fulfillment of the oft-quoted Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. However, it does serve, at best, as a warning of how near to being a fulfilled action it is to us presently. Or, Maybe we really are in it now. For reference, I will reread the passage found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. The complete thought is found in a partially larger section of text found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 12. They read, Then many will be led into sin, and they will betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold. Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 12. The last half of verse 12, the love of many will grow cold, is what is called apostasy. This is where we continue our examination this week. 
We will also continue with some even more poignant statistics that should better answer the question we are asking. I must also remind you that this is not a very happy subject. Many of the things we have held strong to in our lives, regardless of where we live, are now coming apart. Both politically and socially, things are changing, and not necessarily for the better. It seems in my research around the globe that things are growing darker as the days pass. This follows biblical prophecy with regard to what we call the end times. Yes, we can be happy that life here is almost over, but it will not be without its cost of loved ones dying without making a decision for Christ. Our time here is short, so we need to witness to those we care about regardless of where we live on planet Earth. Now, continuing in the research results. Quoting, Over the past three centuries, more than 200 denominations have launched Christian churches in America based on differences in doctrine, theology, and practice. All of them claim to be motivated by the pursuit of biblical integrity. Americans who think of themselves as Christian have followed in those entrepreneurial footsteps, essentially customizing Christianity to their liking and ignoring the historical distinctives of the churches to which they belong. The article further quotes, The irony of the reshaping of the spiritual landscape in America is that it represents a post-Christian reformation driven by people seeking to retain a Christian identity. End quote. Noted Dr. George Barner, Director of Research at the Cultural Research Center. Further quoting, Unfortunately, the theology of this Reformation is being driven by American culture rather than biblical truth. The world views embraced by the adherents of these distinct religious communities reflect contemporary worldly influence rather than biblical influence. And quoting all. As I previously said, not the glowing upward emotional path one might think we should be faced with being that Christ is coming again, apparently sooner than later. Here is more news. These following quotes and numbers are only for evangelicals embracing secularism. Quoting, among the consequences of this distancing from Scripture and refashioning the nature of the tripartite God is that nearly two out of three evangelical church attenders, 62%, say it is more important to have some type of faith, Christian or otherwise, than to specifically align 
with the Christian faith. All of these changes have contributed to the development of a new moral code among those associated with evangelical churches. For instance, a majority do not consider breaking the law through actions such as speeding to be sin. Half of them do not consider sexual relations between unmarried couples to be sinful. A large minority, 40%, do not view lying as sinful behavior. The centrality of obedience to the scripture is absent among most of the nation's adults associated with evangelical churches. A majority, 53%, now deems practices other than consistent obedience to God to reflect the heart of success in life. And while some of the ideas gaining traction in evangelical congregations may not reflect a majority perspective, the fact that one-third to one-half of those adults embrace these ideas can only be viewed as alarming for evangelicalism. Those beliefs and behaviors include 48% believe a person who is good enough or does enough good works can earn eternal salvation. 44% do not believe that history is the unfolding narrative of God's reality. 44% claim the Bible is ambiguous in its teachings about abortion. 43% maintain that when Jesus was on earth, he sinned. 43% do not believe that there is a common, God-given purpose to humanity, i.e., to know, love, and serve Him. 42% seek moral guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible. 42% do not identify and confess their sins on a daily basis. 40% do not believe that human life is sacred. 40% accept lying as morally acceptable if it advances personal interests or protect one's reputation. 39% identify the people they always respect as being only those who have the same beliefs as they possess. 36% prefer socialism to capitalism. 36% fail to seek and pursue God's will for their life each day. 34% reject the idea of legitimate marriage as one man and one woman. 34% argue that abortion is morally acceptable if it spares the mother from financial or emotional discomfort or hardship. And finally, 32% do not thank or worship God each day. Evangelical churches 
long known for their emphasis on the importance of being born again, that is, salvation through grace along, appear to have lost momentum on that point. Currently, more than one quarter of those who attend evangelical churches, 28%, are not born again. End quote. Those numbers should strike you as very disturbing. Remember, those numbers are only for evangelicals. They are approximately one-third to almost half of evangelicals alone. Two striking notes to also look at are, one, 62% say it is more important to have some type of faith, Christian or otherwise, than to specifically align with the Christian faith. That number and thinking is beyond what I can even imagine any truly born-again person believing. Yet, regardless of one's background, It is happening in large numbers. 2. 36% prefer socialism to capitalism? Seriously! How can anyone who has lived in a free society, even capitalistic, prefer socialism? A person who has reaped the rewards found in a capitalistic life would rather have minimal reward handed to them with little or no work for it? Didn't our last episode in Second Timothy talk about not eating if you are capable of working and do not? Pentecostals following suit. Quoting, Adults in Pentecostal congregations have taken some of the theological shifts of evangelical church attenders a step farther. For instance, they are less likely to value human life with a majority, 54%, unwilling to define human life as sacred and half-claiming that the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. Fitting with the Pentecostal tendency to seek special experiences, that preference has led a majority of this group, 54%, to also embrace a willingness to try anything once. Perhaps the most unexpected perspective among Pentecostals, though, is their widespread acceptance of the government's intervention in and control of their lives. Adults associated with a Pentecostal or Charismatic Church were among the most likely self-identified Christians, along with Catholics, to say they prefer socialism to capitalism, with more than two-thirds of the group, 69%, expressing such a view. Pentecostals were notably less likely than evangelicals to hold conservative views on fiscal issues, social issues, and governance issues. In fact, 
while one-third of adults aligned with evangelical churches, 34%, were consistently conservative in their views on fiscal, social, and governance policies, just one-fifth of the adults aligned with Pentecostal churches, 21%, were consistently conservative in such views. An unexpectedly large portion of people in Pentecostal churches, 45%, did not qualify as born-again Christians. End quote. That is only two of the four groups in this analysis, and it is not looking very good just here in America. The prophecy that is interpreted as America not having the global influence it has so enjoyed seems to be, at the very least, under growing pressure to turn inward to deal with problems that are in wait and still unseen at the time of this podcast. As bad as that is, it is only grossly compounded if this is actually a more global issue, which it appears to be. Continuing, mainline Protestants are on a different path. Quoting, There are 31 variables identified in the inventory for which a majority of participants in one of the six mainline Protestant denominations held a view or engaged in a behavior at odds with biblical teaching, more than three times the number of biblical conflicts as were identified among either evangelicals or Pentecostals. That represents about 60% of the worldview attributes evaluated in the American Worldview Inventory 2020, for which there is a significant conflict with biblical principles. The worldview possessed by most mainline church attenders revolves around three concepts. 1. Truth and morality are determined by the individual, not by God or the Bible. Solid majorities of mainline adherents believe that there is no absolute moral truth. 58% and that God is not the standard or provider of truth, 63%. A large portion of mainline church attenders believe that people are essentially good, 81%, are able to determine right from wrong apart from biblical guidance, 71%, and generally know what's best for their lives without God's guidance. They tend to believe that the Bible is a good book and contains wisdom for life, but it cannot be trusted to be absolutely representative of God's truth, principles for humankind. This view is held by 63%. Mainline adults contend that history is not God's unfolding narrative 
that provides insights or wisdom for humanity. In fact, human beings cannot even be certain that God exists. Such belief is personal, they argue, and embracing Christianity is less important than embracing some faith. 2. Life has no inherent value or purpose, but we can make the most of it by doing things that produce personal happiness or satisfaction. Adults attending mainline Protestant congregations believe that life is what you make it, and that means success is based on doing things that deliver whatever makes you feel happy or satisfied. In their view, humans are not imbued with a common, God-given purpose. In fact, they consider life to be fragile and temporary, so we must do our best to maximize the enjoyment and benefit of our experiences without letting other people limit potential outcomes. Therefore, even moral choices should reflect one's freedom to do whatever feels right or is good for the individual, whether that relates to abortion, sexual relations, or relationships. And finally, number three, traditional religious practices are neither considered to be central or essential to their Christian faith. Surprisingly, few mainline adherents engage in traditional Christian practices. In fact, of six commonly practiced religious activities, there was not one for which half or more of the mainline congregants were participants. These religious practices include reading the Bible each day. 13% do so. Seeking God's will on a daily basis, 38%. Confessing personal sins and asking for God's forgiveness every day, 33%. Thanking, praising, or worshiping God each day, 43%. Or even praying to God every day, 49%. Mainline afflicted adults ranked lowest in levels of participation in each of these activities compared to adults aligned with the other major Christian church families, i.e. Evangelical, Charismatic, Catholic. Within the three families of Protestant churches, adults associated with a mainline church were the least likely to be born again, 41% of them. End quote. Like I said, the news only gets worse. It is really bad if such things are on a global basis. Finally, here is the information found in this examination with respect to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Approach Quoting The faith profile of Catholics is surprisingly similar to that of mainline Protestants and therefore considerably different from that of evangelical and charismatic Protestants. Catholics reflect 
the same worldview outlook attributed to mainline adherents. However, they generally differ from their Protestant counterparts in several significant ways. Catholics, based on their church's teaching, are less likely to be born again, i.e., believe that they are sinners who need a Savior, that Jesus Christ is that Savior, and have therefore personally confessed their sins and asked Jesus to save them from the penalty for their sins. They are also less likely to believe in the importance of interpersonal evangelism and to believe that salvation is accessible only through God's grace extended through Jesus Christ. They are the segment of the Christian community most likely to believe that a person can earn salvation by being a good enough person or by doing enough good deeds throughout their lifetime. That mentality of self-reliance and earning positive outcomes also influences their view of success. Rather than saying success is primarily about obedience to God, Catholics are more likely to define success in terms of achievements or emotional fulfillment. The worldview of Catholics is also more permissive. That is, it embraces a wider range of behaviors than the Bible might encourage. For instance, Catholics are the segment among the four denominational families to embrace the idea of trying anything once. They are the most likely to accept speeding, sexual relations outside of marriage, lying, and refusal to repay a loan as morally acceptable behaviors. Catholics were substantially more likely than other Christians to believe that having some faith is more important than which faith a person adopts. Catholic churches teach a different doctrine regarding eternal salvation than do Protestant churches. Consequently, it is not unexpected to find that Catholics are less likely than Protestants to be born again, i.e., to accept eternal salvation solely because of their confession of sins, their belief and trust in Jesus Christ alone as their means to salvation. In total, one out of four Catholics, 28%, appear to be born again. What may be unexpected, though, is that the most common answer given by Catholics regarding their eternal consequences is that they will experience heaven because of their confession of sin and embrace of Christ as their Savior, i.e., being spiritually born again. Catholics possess the most diverse beliefs about salvation of any of the Christian denomination families. Other frequently chosen views by Catholics about what will happen to them after they die include believing they will go to a place of purification before entering heaven, 19%. Believing they will experience heaven because God loves all people and will not let them perish, 14%. And experiencing heaven because they have worked hard 
to be a good enough person to earn it. 12%. The rest of the Catholic community either does not believe in any kind of spiritual life after death, 7%, believes they will be reincarnated, 7%, believes they will go to hell, 3%, or has no idea what will happen, 12%. In the closing comments, we find this titled section. Realities of the Post-Christian Reformation Quoting When Martin Luther instigated what has become known as the Protestant Reformation in the early 16th century, he was motivated by a desire to restore biblical truth and purity to the Church and the spiritual experiences and development of the people. He was driven by a compulsion to raise the acceptance of biblical authority rather than tradition and institutional authority, and to focus people's ideas about salvation on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, rather than placing faith on one's personal efforts and goodness. End quote. We who really are born again, who are now silent, willing to go with whatever makes our church happy, regardless of how off the mark they may be, need to reconsider our position. This pandemic has given us the time to do this. However, time is short. In my final notes, I would like to say, Happy Thanksgiving to all of you who will be celebrating it in some form or another. May you all be safe and blessed of God. Next week, we will look at reasons to being thankful despite living in a pandemic. Play or download next week's episode simply titled Thanksgiving from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. 
To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at unchurched.site123.me. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to all our podcast platforms, and more. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, East Coast Time, USA. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.